Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay. As always, coming at you guys again with another preview episode, this time with what I believe is very important in playoff previews is the other perspective. We are joined by Joey Cirillo and Jeff Januzic of the Kraken Pod on the Hockey Podcast Network. Gentlemen, thank you both so very much for joining us today. How are you guys doing? We're feeling good. Are you guys ready to, you know, give up your cup reign to the Seattle Kraken? Well, I don't think we give those up quite yet. I think we get to keep those forever. <laughs> That's no, actually, if you, if you lose to an expansion team after you win the cup, you actually have to hand over the ring. It's a weird, yeah. weird. kind of hit in the bylaws there. Yeah, that one has been probably buried since this is this probably a Could very they- unique situation for. Couldn't they just copy Berkey's well, and Berkey just give them yeah. the ring and we're good? Yeah, does Berkey have to give his back if that's the case? No, because he's on the winning team. Yeah, well, exactly. well, he's not going to play in this series, unfortunately. <laughs> that hurts, is true. Which hurts for me because, as you guys will learn, and anyone who listens to this show knows that uh, Andre Burakovsky has been my favorite player for years, which softens my heart a lot towards the Seattle Kraken, a team that I have a lot of respect for and one that I'm not – Super thrilled about playing in a playoff series because in the West, probably the only other team that I even like. But here we are, round one of the Stanley Cup playoff, the defending champion Colorado Avalanche going up against the Seattle Kraken in their second year. And if I'm correct, the best improvement an expansion team has seen in their second year, the Kraken reach 100 points and get the top wildcard team. So we can just hop right into this. What, in your opinion, is the most dangerous part of this Kraken team that Avalanche fans should be aware of? Well, uh, Joey, I'll, I'll go first, and I don't want to steal your thunder, but um, I one thing that I've been annoyed about through the whole season is uh, the lack of respect from national media and um, really some other teams – uh, in understanding the lack of depth from this team, which is which is great in year two to have depth, like that's pretty crazy. So I feel like what's been the story for this team is if the first line's not getting it done, then the fourth line might step up, or the third line, or the second line, and you you don't know what attack you're going to get from which players. So to me, it's the depth of this team. And I don't know the official stat, but uh, I, I think like as far as NHL stats go, they have like the most um, spread out scoring in the entire league. You know, it's like we have the most 10 plus goal scores in the entire league. So for me, it's the depth and the fact that I think for some reason we're just under the radar. I mean, being wild card one, I get it uh, being under the radar, but um, I think this is a team that could go far in the playoffs because they're so spread out. Yeah, I think the the number was 12 or 13, 10 plus goal scorers on the team compared to, I believe Christian was at seven or so for the Avs by the end of the season this year. Yeah, but you like Lars Eller and Dennis Mulgan kind of don't really count because they didn't play the whole year with the Avs. So right. I, I think by technicality, it is seven. Right. Yeah, so exactly. that's, um, 
for me, that's what's pretty neat to watch going from last year to this year and seeing how they just consistently did it. And they had their, they had their ups and downs. I mean, obviously. Right. But the fact that they kept coming back around to the winning ways after going through so much last year, um, a testament to what Ron Francis has done and management's done to kind of build a really good team. And, and they really have set them up for the future. So it's look, we made it to the playoffs year two. We're playing the Stanley cup champs. We literally have zero expectations and I love being in that spot. See, that is exactly Christian can attest to, That's exactly what I've been talking about with this potential playoff series for the last several weeks is that the Kraken have kind of already won this season, having already made the playoffs hitting a hundred points, still having all of the draft picks to work with, with the three second round picks this year, already having Matty Beneers and Shane Wright. And do you believe that with the Kraken having already made the playoffs, that's going to help them to to play very loose in this series with maybe the lack of expectations. Joey, what do you think? Um, a hundred percent. I, um, I always, if I'm on the opposite end of things, the biggest worry I have is going up against a team that has nothing to lose. So before, so before the season started, Jeff and I were crazy people and we did podcast episodes the entire summer leading up into the preseason and we were predicting the season. Jeff is known as the Ted Lasso of our podcast. We call him Jeff Lasso <laughs> because he's so freaking optimistic about everything that like like but but the crazy part is like it's worked out in his favor because he was so hard set. He's like the Kraken are making the playoffs, man. And I'm like, yeah, have your fuck. Like I don't want to curse or like, you can curse. Your We're an explicit. Oh yeah. I'm like, you have your fuck. I'm like, you have your fucking mind. I'm like, the, the Kraken are not making the playoffs. I'm like, they were a, a, a horrible team last year. You know, they had a couple of off season moves. I just don't see it. And and he really stuck to it. And now I'm the one eating crow. I couldn't be happier to be uh to be the one that was wrong in this scenario. But like he said. Them making the playoffs in year in year two, going from what sixty points last year to hundred this season, like this is a win for them. And also, you combine you combine that with the fact that, and we were talking to Piper Shaw last week, who covers the Seattle Kraken, and she point she pointed out to us like how well the Kraken also played for whatever reason in Denver. Like she actually gave a ton of credit. She was like that. Uh, that barn is the loudest outside of Comet Pledge Arena that she has attended throughout the entire season. But for whatever reason, like whether it's strategy or just feeding off the energy, like the Kraken do really well in that barn. This year we played we played y'all three times. We won two out of three. The one loss was in a shootout. So it's one of those things where it's like, I don't think the team is afraid. They already feel good. Like, hey, dude, we made the playoffs in year two. I think they're going to go out there and be pretty loose. And today I saw that they were uh, they had morning skate, and it's like the first time I think ha like Dave Haxtell, the head coach, was joking around like since preseason that they've had two back to back morning skates like all season. Like the boys are feeling good. Yeah, we have a couple of injuries, so do the Avs, and I'm really liking where things are like how things are starting to be set up for the Kraken in that regard. I I completely agree in the fact that the Kraken have nothing to play for. But I, I wanted to kind of, or nothing to lose. They have everything to play for. Wow, that was almost really bad. Um, <laughs> it's, but, it's, only, it's only the playoffs, Chris. I was like, Jesus, Jesus, I know. Dude. Twist Jeez, the knife. I almost let that go. <laughs> but I guess my question for you guys is where are you feeling or how confident are you feeling in the goaltending, whether it is Grubauer or Jones? Do we have uh, to talk about Where that? is your confidence level? 
No comment. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, you're exactly right. And and as you all know, is you it's you know you've got to have you know players. You got to have depth in the playoffs. You got to have you know people rise up to help each other out. But you've got to have good goaltending. You've got to get in a hot streak, and that is absolutely one area where the Kraken have not really figured it out yet. Although what is crazy is, as you know, you know, grew, uh, Philip Grubauer, um, you know, we're glad to have him. And, um, you know, I don't know what you guys thought about, you know, him playing with y'all, but I will say this is that man has gotten like zero respect, um, because he went through it all being the starter for, you know, pretty much all of last year. And enduring that, and then starting off this year too, and uh, having his struggles and Martin Jones took over, but he's quietly in the last month been phenomenal. So I really feel like, and this feels weird to say, but I feel like I'm strangely confident again, like Joey said, I'm a little bit of a, a optimistic lasso, person. Baby. <laughs> I think, I think this, here's another thing. And I, I have questions for you guys too. This is, shouldn't just be all yeah. crack and stuff here, but yeah, um, please. <laughs> I think the storyline of Gru going up against his old team in the playoffs, I just think there's some fire there. And I think he could come in and really make a name for himself. And, and I honestly think there's a lot of Seattle, Seattle Kraken fans that don't have a lot of faith in him. And I think he's going to show up and he's going to make that faith way stronger in this series. So I feel yeah, good. We with Grubauer. Grubauer, we we loved Grubauer. I still have his uh I have like a plaque for him. Uh he was great for the abs when he was here. And it was just unfortunate in the bubble he got hurt. I think the team could have won the, the won the cup that year if he stayed healthy. And then in the COVID shortened season, he played like what 85% of the games, Griffin? Yeah, we, <laughs> we ran him pretty much into the ground at that point. The only break he got was when he got COVID towards the end of the season and still managed to get nominated for the Vesna that year. Came into the playoffs really strong against St. Louis, really strong the first two games against Vegas. But I think, unfortunately, with Grubauer, the, the lasting memory of him was struggling in the later part of that series against the Golden Knights. And whenever we do talk about Philip Grubauer, as much as I don't want to picture it, that first goal that the Golden Knights scored in game six still to me holds up as one of the worst goals I've seen a goalie give up in an important game. And it's interesting that you guys do bring up uh, Grubauer's recent stretch over the last little while. In April, I believe he was a 941, won three games out of the four that he started and the five that he played overall. And against Colorado this season, he started all three, I believe. And he finished all three of those games with a 928 save percentage, a 1.7 goals against average, only giving up five goals. And the Kraken have been a tough matchup for the Avs this year. They played Pavel Francouz in October and caught him, I believe, on a pretty bad night. Played pretty much to a stalemate in their second meeting that the Avs edged out in a shootout. And the Avalanche were up remembering these off the top of my head as best as I can, up in the third period before McKinnon had that horrible turnover that led to Tanev tying the game and Yanni Gord eventually winning it in OT. So I think, I think the, the key, the thing that I'm most worried about is probably we're, we're deep, right. But our toughness and, you know, you all have won the cup, you know, the grind, you guys know how to be tough. 
I think that the Kraken thrive off of a intense forecheck and their speed, but whenever they run into a team that can push them around and be physical, I feel like they, they struggled there. So I'm not super worried about uh, goaltending, which obviously that is a crapshoot. Um, definitely not worried about offense, but on defense, we do lack some toughness. So on your end, you know, I, I know what you guys have kind of dealt with all year long, you know, Kale McCarr is not Kale McCarr, um, but you've got also too, like, you know, a lot of other things going on. Where do you guys think you are in terms of toughness? Um, and also too, like, have you felt like there's been a Stanley cup hangover? I mean, they've played the most hockey, you know, out of, you know, pretty much all the NHL teams. So toughness, do they have it? Do you agree with that? And how are you guys feeling right now with where the team is going into the playoffs, which I mean, they've been pretty phenomenal too. Yeah. Going into the playoffs, they're going to be losing probably their, their toughest aspect in Gabe Landeskog and not being able to get him back for the playoffs, but on the opposite side, probably adding their most difficult to play against player in Josh Manson back to the lineup who adds a lot of physicality to the back end. The abs aren't, I wouldn't say the, the toughest team on planet earth, but they're very mentally tough, maybe more than, than physically tough coming into this series. And defensively, we're both of the opinion that the abs have the best defense in the NHL. They're going to be getting Kale McCarr back, hopefully healthy in this series. We don't really entirely know his status, but we know that he will play in this series. And like I said, getting Josh Manson back. And one guy that Kraken fans might not like by the end of the series is Bo Byram, <laughs> who is underratedly a pest and maybe not always for his, his own benefit as he's dealt with concussion issues in the past, but he's a guy that other teams really do not like that much. But one of the things I wanted to ask you guys about the Kraken, one of the big discrepancies in this series is the Avalanche have Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, and Kale McCarr, and all of that star power at the very top. And we've established that the Kraken are a very deep team, but what do you feel the Kraken are going to plan to do with McKinnon and Ranton and McCarr and try to neutralize some of that star power? That's a great question. Um, yes, it is. <laughs> so look, they've, they've played, there's plenty of stars that they've, they've gone up against. Um, I think one thing that I hang my hat on was we shut out the Bruins. Um, that was sweet. That was awesome. I made a lot of money on that game thank you no like we can agree that like first of all can we agree on this is like i'm so i can't wait for the bruins to lose because they're going to lose they're not going to win the stanley cup uh i've been there Uh, we talked a little bit before we started recording about my history being a detroit red wings fan i've seen epic teams um fail right president's cup sorry not sorry that's a curse. Yeah. No, I, look, it's good. I actually, you know, on the Detroit Ribbings thing is like for the longest time, I could not stand an avalanche Jersey, but I, re- I really respect this team um, through all the hatred of the, you know, I grew up in Detroit. So I was born and raised a Detroit Ribbings fan. Joey brought me into the Kraken family and now I'm obsessed with the Kraken. Um, but I'll say this is Joe Sackick for all of my hatred of the avalanche and Claude Lemieux. And yes, it's, I know it's very um, cliche, but you know, it's there. Um, Joe Sackick to me is just one of the best, you know, and um, I put him right up there with Steve Eiserman. And so that like, he always had that class. So I loved it. So long story short is, um, you know, 
going back to uh, talking about the Kraken, I I think that relentless forecheck is again the key to so many different things. You know, we do have some talented guys who can keep up with them. I don't maybe death by a thousand cuts. I mean, I don't have a specific answer. Like we're going to put some shutdown forward on you, like some defensive specialists. Now, Yanni Gord, Yanni Gord is fantastic. You mentioned Yanni Gord. He, he could be somebody who could, um, you know, Brandon Tanev turbo super fast. He could definitely keep up and he's a grinder who can uh, kind of maybe neutralize some of those, those, those top talents. But at the same time is like, I don't know if Nathan McKinnon starts to understand a player he he's going to take advantage of them. I mean, he's one of the best in the world. So the only way that I feel that we can stop the superstars that y'all have is with a, a really good game plan from Dave Haxtell, the head coach in guys, no matter who is pairing up against uh, Nate McKinnon, um, you know, or whoever we need to make sure we're doing this ABC, ABC. And what's great is we have enough talent you know, we don't have any superstars, but we have enough talent to kind of do that. So long story short is I don't have a great answer for that, but I do feel like speed, forecheck, trying to be as physical as possible. Um, that's the only way we can kind of keep that up. I well, so I can tell you. Oh, oh sorry. Go, yeah, ahead. go for it. Go for it. No, no, go for it. I was just going to say that um, I, it's interesting that Jeff mentioned speed. The speed of McKinnon, um, I, I just don't. I don't believe Seattle can keep can keep up. Period. Like if I'm being completely honest with our team, I just don't think we can skate with them. Uh, same with McCarr. But it's one of those things, and it goes back to depth. I think you know, without beating a, a freaking dead horse here, I do think it's the depth of the Seattle Kraken, and we're going to need our young defensemen, especially, to step up. Again, this is just my opinion. Um, we have seen the emergence of Vince Dunn uh, this year for the Kraken. The dude has been a fucking animal. We call him the Dundertaker. He actually knows about that nickname, which is awesome. <laughs> so we're like really trying to That's adopt awesome. it. But Vince Dunn has been incredible. And also like Will Borgen. Like if we can get Borgie to step up in this series, I think it's going to create some problems. So there are a couple of guys that I just don't think, you know, Seattle speed-wise can keep, can keep up with. But if we have the depth and we keep throwing guys at you, and every line is relentless and those guys step up, I think it's going to be a little bit more of a problem than, like, than anticipated. At least we can start getting, yeah, I, you know, start frustrating your guys. And by the way, speaking of like, you know, pesky players who you love, but not when you play them, we raise you a Yanni Gord. Because Yanni Gord, if I had to play against that guy in the playoffs, I would want to fucking strangle him. He's so annoying because that's all he does. Like he gets under people's skin. He's like the smallest guy on the ice, but he's not afraid of anybody. You know, he's won championships with Tampa Bay, but he knows exactly what to do, um, to, you know, to get under player skins and to, and to really get in their head. And that's going to be um, a big part of like the mental warfare in this series. Yeah. There's going to be what I think is going to be the most important part of the series is the Kraken's four check and how the abs respond to it. Because if the abs have a weakness, we cannot clear our own damn zone. Like it is one of the most frustrating things to watch is trying to clear our own damn zone. And I think the Kraken can take advantage of that. I really do. But what concerns me more about the Kraken is I think Tanif is going to end up being that guy near the end of the series. I'm just going to be like, I fucking hate this guy. I really <laughs> think that's where I'm going to be with him because that dude just has a face where I think I'm just going to be at the end of the series. Like this dude fucking sucks. Um, I hate his guts, but I do 
I, Jeff mentioned earlier, do you think the abs have a Stanley cup hangover? They definitely had a Stanley cup hangover in the first three months of the season where they were 500 and in sixth place in the central division. But ever since really the all-star break, this team is playing, I wouldn't say it's best hockey, but it's playing some damn good hockey. And the exciting part, but also terrifying part about the abs going into the playoffs is I still don't think they've played their best version of themselves this year. And can they do that? Because there's been points in the season where they've had like a good two, three game stretch, but they haven't been able to consistently dominate teams, right? uh, which is what you'd expect when you're playing this good of hockey. And I think the Kraken are going to offer a ton of different line combinations and they're just going to forecheck the living hell out of the abs. And it's going to drive me as a fan insane as I'm sitting in the 300 section telling them to clear the puck. Because as a fan, <laughs> I, I can very clearly see you need to clear the puck. But that's what scares me more about the Kraken. And we've seen it in these three games is their forecheck is relentless. And it's caused a ton of turnovers in the, the abs own zone. And that is terrifying going into this series. Yeah, and I, one of, one of the things as well is that the Avalanche, a lot of their inconsistencies can be attributed to injuries as well, and the incredibly in- injury-riddled season that they have had and dealt with this season. I'd almost attribute their their Stanley Cup hangover to being like literally physically this team has not been the same because they've been missing so many guys. I mean, we've mentioned it at nauseum on here, but – there was a time in December where Miko Rantanen was the only top six guy on this team left. And he was playing on a line with Alex Newhook and Charles Houdon on the top line going up against the Boston Bruins and the New York Rangers. And this series against the Kraken is the healthiest or allegedly the healthiest because everyone just plays in the playoffs. This is going to be the healthiest lineup that this team has been dealing with for this season pretty much since October at the very least, where they have not had Kale McCarr and Bo Byram and Josh Manson and Devon Tays all playing on the ice at the same time. Christian, correct me if I'm wrong, but October was the last time they were able to do that. Late October, maybe early November. Right. As bits, a lot of that can be attributed to injury in this series. And the Avs, for the first time, I feel like can like Christian was saying, maybe start playing their best hockey where Nathan McKinnon thrives is especially the first round of the playoffs as well. See, you guys, you guys mentioned the hangover and I'm not buying it. I'm just not. And if I'm Dave Haxtell, I'm telling the Kraken the same thing. I'm like, they're liars. Don't listen to them. Like there is no hangover. They're coming to play. And your last 19 games, you're fucking 16, two and one. Like that is something that I am telling my team. You guys are getting hot at the right time. Um, and, and the team is very scary. And I like what you said about, um, you know, you really haven't seen the best version of the avalanche and I'll, you know, I can't speak for Jeff here. I'm sure he has input on this as well. I have seen the best version of the Kraken. And do I think that we will get that version during the series? No, because Burakovsky is out and he's such a huge part, um, you know, of this team, but y'all are also missing Landeskog for the playoffs. So it is what it is tit for tat. But when I do see the Kraken play at their best, which is every line is contributing, the forecheck is there, the defense is sound, and as a result, the goaltending increases. Um, you know, you have the the Kraken setting an NHL record for eight road games, eight road game wins in a row 
including shutting out Boston in their home barn. Like that is the team that can beat anybody. But I've also seen the Kraken at their worst, like going to, you know, Anaheim and getting shut out. You're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like in the middle, in the middle of, you know, the playoff chase and they, and they drop an egg. So it's one of those things where it's like, we've seen both versions of this team. The best version of this team really can upset anybody. Who are we going to get? And that's, that's kind of where my head's at with that. You know, the, the other thing that I'm thinking about here too, is that as we're talking this out with y'all is honestly, I don't think the avalanche have anything to lose either because you know, you've got, okay. So you have battled through all of these injuries. You battled through, you know, the Stanley cup hangover. It was rough. You're coming together at the right time. I guarantee you as boys, let's just get in the playoffs and we're good. We know how to win. Let's just get, get in, get healthy. I'm sure guys were rested knowing that they would get in the playoffs, knowing what they had. So, you know, really what we said was we have nothing to lose. We made it in playoff, you know, in year number two, but at the same time, if the avalanche, if you all lose, right. If you all lose uh, even to the Kraken, right. Or if you lose in the second or third round, um, oh man, well, you won the cup last year, bravo. Cheers. Y'all you get the standing ovation. There you go. Now next year, different story. You guys got to get it back together, but really, you guys have nothing to lose either. What do you guys think about that? I Griffin, when take you it. Ha- when you have a Stanley Cup and you've tasted that and you still have Nathan McKinnon on the final year of that darling 6.3 contract, Oof. not not <laughs> being able to get the job done, even without Gabe Landeskog, will sting, whether that's in the first round of the Stanley Cup final. And also, if the Avalanche do lose to the Kraken, there is the narrative of losing to the expansion team as the defending champions, which doesn't taint it, but that always becomes the next conversation after the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup in 2022. The next season, they lost to the second-year Seattle Kraken in round one. I believe this team is under pressure, the same as any other playoff team when you win your division and are one of the best teams in the NHL. But when you do win the cup, and if you can't get it done the next year, it does soften the blow. Like you're not going to be beside yourself. This team can never get it. Speak for yourself, man. I am. (laughs) I I am going to be. I, when, because here's the thing this is the stupid part about being a fan is 98, 99% of the time your team loses. Like it's, it's a, we put ourselves through misery as sports fans because more than like 98% of the time it's going to end in you being depressed. And I will tell myself going into this playoffs that I will, I will not be super mad when they lose. I know for a second when that series ends and the season's over, I'm going to have trouble sleeping that night just because I'm a lunatic that way. And I will, I will be like that meme where it's like the, the smiling face covering the crying face. I will have that (laughs) meme as my face because it's going to be, it's going to be miserable, even though I think about like, I, I don't want to think about them losing, but the all likelihood they are going to lose eventually. Cause that's just how sports are. Well, I know exactly the experience of losing as a defending Stanley cup champion. I'm also a Washington capitals fan. As people who listen to the show know, I also live in Maryland as I've been through heartbreaking losses against the penguins and in years past, then they finally won. There was that elation. And then they lost to the hurricanes in round one. And I was devastated. Like I was genuinely still heartbroken. It still hurt a lot because to this day, I believe that was the last realistic chance that team had. And 
I still believe that this team can do it. It's not as much of like a certainty as it was last year, as we talked about on the entirety of last year's shows, where it's like, if this team doesn't get it done this year, I'm, I don't understand hockey and it's going to break my, my faith in it as a whole. So yeah, if this team can't get it done, it is going to hurt, but you always have that championship to fall back on that at least cushions the blow, even if there's still some knives sticking through. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be tough no matter what. Um, this is going to be a tough series. You brought up, you know, Nate McKinnon's last year of his contract and with the Kraken, you know, we're all in, we're watching this team. They've got just so many draft picks stacked up. They've just got, they've got Shane Wright waiting in the wings. Um, he's, he's basically, you know, learning the ropes, um, and he'll be a force next year. Our future looks really bright. What does the future of the Colorado Avalanche, like let's say, for example, you know, don't want to, you know, be negative towards y'all, but let's, you guys lose. What does the next few years for this, for the Stanley cup champs look like? What, what's the future look like for the Colorado Avalanche right now? How are you guys feeling? I, I'm feeling good about it. There's definitely some concern with Landis Gog. Um, he had a press conference a couple days ago before the Winnipeg Jets game. And it was one of the saddest press conferences I've ever watched because it was basically like, yeah, I've had three knee surgeries in the past two years and nothing's fixed it. Like I still cannot skate. Uh, And he is a massive part of this team. Uh, He, he was a point per game player last year, scored 30 goals and was huge in the playoffs for us. I still think the future is very bright for the Avs. You still have Kale McCarr. You still have Mika Rantanen. Still have Nathan McKinnon. Uh, hopefully Gabe Landeskog back. Bo Byram's going to need a contract this offseason. It's it's going to be interesting to see what the Avs do with the roster construction because McKinnon's contract doubles next year. Uh, it goes He goes from making $6 million to twelve, which yeah. is going to be really tight in the salary cap era. And we've seen some franchises handle that salary cap well uh you look at chicago you can say what you want about them as an organization but they did a pretty good job in that six-year span of basically reconstructing the team every two years uh pittsburgh they had they, they won their cup and then they went a little dormant for a while so hopefully that's not what the abs are going to be but it's gonna have to take some you're gonna have to take some risk on some guys at some vet minimums uh, like we look at jack johnson for the abs he's he signed last year as a PTO and was uh, a sixth defenseman for us winning the cup, which is hilarious. And then this year he's come back. He's right back in that seventh defenseman role. But if an injury happens, I feel good going back to him. And you're going to have to take those chances on those older guys on some prove it deals. Like we kind of did with Evan Rodriguez this year. Uh, you, the abs are going to need to continue to do that to maintain success. Because the thing is we've seen the gap this year in the Western conference, the abs last year were far and away the best team in the West. It wasn't even close, but this year that gap got closed a little bit. The teams below us got better. And I think a team like the Kraken are going to be scary in a couple of years. I've always had an affinity for the Arizona coyotes. I think they're going to be better in a couple of years. So I'd still say the abs have probably like, what would you say Griffin? Like five to six years of really good cup contention. And they need to win a couple more in those five to six years to really cement this run. See, championship windows are a tricky thing because I fully believe in the the 10 to 15 year success of this team. As long as you have Nathan McKinnon, Miko Ranton, and Kale McCarr, and hopefully Bo Byram for a long time. 
all of those, all of those pieces can really come and go as you please. And we've even seen this season without Gabe Landeskog yet. They struggled for a while, but they ended the season with 109 points. And you look at a lot of the upcoming contracts for this team. You have Nathan McKinnon kicking in at 12.6, becoming the highest paid player in the NHL next season. Miko Rantanen has two years after this at 9.25. You have Kale McCarr locked in until 2027, but Bo Byram's going to be an RFA and probably going to sign a bridge deal. And as long as you have those guys, you can succeed and you're always going to be a championship contender but it also helps that you have Chris McFarland and Joe Sackick at the helm, who've proven to be very capable at building a team. And so while maybe in three or four years or so, the salary cap's going to get strained and maybe this team's not going to be the absolute juggernaut that it's been the last two years and might be a little weaker on its in its depth and everything and may, might not have the incredible defense that it has now. But in terms of, the 10 to 15 year stability of this team, I believe we are only in the beginning of a golden age for the avalanche. As long as you have those guys who are still pretty young. I mean, McKinnon's only 27, Rantanen's 26, Kale McCarr's 24. And I believe we're only scratching the surface on 21 year old Bo Byram. Um, in case you guys are picking up a pattern, I love Bo Byram. I'm wearing my Byram shirt right now. I talk about it. <laughs> I mean, and Bo Byram's younger than me. I'm only 22. Byram's 21. I fully believe in the long-term stability of this team, even as guys come and go over the years. But that's how the salary cap works. Guys, Liz, Jesus. really quick. If, 22 if you years any, old. Yes. Holy smokes. If you need any uh, salary cap um, assistance, though, Jeff and I will happily introduce you to a friend of ours. His name is uh, Ron Francis, a.k.a. the Ron Father. And he loves coming in to uh, NHL teams when they're struggling a little bit, uh, a la Columbus, um, when he, you know, just happened to take Oliver Bjorkstrand off of their hands. So, you know, in the future, if y'all want to make a phone call, we do WWRD. What would Ronnie do? So we trust him in our front office and what they're uh, doing. See, no, but, but that's all, what the all seriousness, did. though. Yeah, no, but in all seriousness, yeah, though, right. I think I think you're I think you're spot on, man. Your your core is your core is pretty solid. So I'm I'm very excited to see how the series goes. Yeah, you you bring up Oliver Bjorkstrand as well. I was so jealous when you guys made that trade because I love Oliver Bjorkstrand. I thought he would have been an incredible Avalanche player, and I'm disappointed you guys have him until. 2026 because i love that guy <laughs> and probably and probably gonna be a pretty important part of this series as well because i believe his goal totals in the first half of the season coming in the all-star break weren't that impressive but he ended up finishing the season with 20 goals and i can't believe we've gone this far and only barely talked about ellie tolvanen and we brought up Yanni Gord as well but ryan donato and daniel sprong another guy that i really like and jared mccann hitting 40 goals for this team as well so the conversation around this series is always going to to shift to the avalanche's star power versus the kraken's depth but i also do believe that the avalanche have depth of their own that's going to be able to mitigate a lot of the the depth that the kraken have while maybe it is a lot more dangerous for scoring that the avalanche's star power along with decent depth can make up for a lot of that difference what do you guys think about that I, I agree. And I think the key here is this is as if I'm coaching the avalanche, which I was very close to doing that um, <laughs> recently. Um, our, 
until recently, our special teams have been terrible. So like we are going to forecheck the hell out of any team. We're going to skate our asses off. We're going to work really hard. But when it comes to like the, uh, the finer points of the game, face-offs, the penalty kill, the power play, which has been pretty good. It's, it's definitely improved in the last quarter of the season, right? But AK is it, one of the best in the, in the NHL now. It's, it, but at the beginning of the season, it was not. If I'm the avalanche, I'm coming in and finding a way to get the Kraken to make some stupid mistakes, some rookie mistakes, and capitalizing on that. And I think that's going to be the biggest factor is can we get the Kraken to uh, take dumb penalties, get on the power play, and and force them to have to outwork us on those special teams, which, you know, the Avalanche, they know what they're doing in that that regard. Yeah, I, I'm – I'm interested to see what your guys' response is going to be to this because you guys have so many good players. But who is the Kraken's best player? I've heard it's Matty Beniers, but then you look at Jared McCann, he has 40 goals. You look at Oliver Bjorkstrand, you look at Jordan Eberle, who we haven't mentioned yet either. Who, who is the best player on the Kraken? Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. It's NBA playoff time. That means big hoops options with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Get in on the excitement of every game with the touch of a button. New customers can make a $5 pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Plus, everyone can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every day during the NBA playoffs. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And even if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus back up to $10. The Nuggets going up against the Timberwolves this week. I've got a future for the Nuggets to be winning the entire thing. Get in on the action right now at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. New customers can make a $5 pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Now, back to the episode. I'm actually I'm legitimately at a loss right now because there's been multiple points throughout the season where I looked at a player and was like, this is the best player on the team. When Burakovsky was there and healthy. I thought it was him for a period of time. I love that answer. Love it. <laughs> he, he really, he, I mean, he, it's just the truth. It wasn't just was. the goal scoring. It wasn't just the goal scoring. It was just his all-around play is insane. And, you know, we watch and we will live tweet every single game, which also makes us crazy people. I'm sure y'all do the same. But Oh, yeah, we do. The, watching don't, don't worry. It, you're, you're in a safe space. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. So <laughs> it's a circle of trust. So it was just one of those things where it's like even when he's not scoring goals, just watching um, like his hockey IQ is so next level. I think it's drastically underrated. He was always, always putting himself in a position to either like high danger chance, putting puck on net or feeding a guy or setting up a play we're getting it on a four check. And I'm like, man, I fucking love this guy. Um, right now, if I had to pick a, I'm like, like pick pick the best player on the Seattle Kraken right now, I'm actually going to go Jordan Eberle. That guy, and Jeff and I call it dad energy um, because I think he just had another <laughs> kid recently, but we believe in dad energy. That shit is real. Um, he's really, 
really stepped it up. He's been super hot lately, and he is one of those glue guys on the team that, again, not to reference our own stuff too much, but we were talking to Piper Shaw last week who covers the team, and she was telling us, we're like, you know, give us an underrated player for the Seattle Kraken. Without hesitation, Jordan Eberle. He's there before everybody. In fact, he gets to the ice so early during home games that she literally spends like a 16-hour day at Climate Pledge Arena because she has to be there before the players are so she can meet with everybody. And Eberly's there at like 3 o'clock for like a 7.30, you know, puck drop. And it's just one of those things. Like, <laughs> he, controls the, he controls the music in the locker room. He's always outworking people. Like, he's one of the last to leave. He's super nice. But the guy works his ass off. And on top of that, he has a chip on his shoulder because he's been vocally telling his teammates, I have not won a cup. This is the thing that I want to do. This is where I am at in my career. And I need you guys to rally around me and do this. And like the team is rallying around him. So if I have to pick a guy right now, it's him. But that's really hard. Like I love the all around game for Maddie Beneers. He is insane. Like his level of talent and also hockey IQ for being that young is crazy. I think Jeff, you predicted within two to three years, he's one of the mega stars um, in the NHL. We have a bet on him to win the Calder. I'm just waiting to cash that out. That was the easiest money of all time. And it's one of the, like, Jared McCann, 40 goals, he gets hot. But I don't know, like, there's periods of, you know, throughout the season where um, I've I've had different players be be the best right now. But I would I would actually pivot and go Jordan Everly. Jeff, who, who would you say is the best player right now? I'm actually curious. We haven't talked about this. Well, I do want to say, again, and not just to kind of, like, blow smoke uh, on a – you know, abs podcast, but Joey nailed it. Great call. Uh, Andre Burkowski. He, if you notice when he went down the Kraken, <sighs> the Kraken had to had like 10, 15 games of like, what, 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 what the hell do we do? He Identity just, gone. He did everything on the ice that helped to open up the ice for everybody else. Like the Kraken needed 10, 15 games to figure out how the fuck to like, to, to, to score, to have an offense without him around. So I sincerely agree with Joey. And I sincerely tell you that I think he is the best Seattle Kraken player because of what he brings to the team as a whole and all the things that he, he does. So, um, you know, thank you guys for that. <laughs> that gem of hockey You're play. welcome. That, that one, that one hurt. Uh, Gr- Griffin can tell more about it, but uh, that one, I, I actually, when I saw he officially signed somewhere else that, that, that hurt me a little bit because he is such a likable guy and he went through so much shit here in that cup run where he was getting scratched in the second round. And then he finally gets it going and he fucking breaks his thumb. That, that's just, oh, that's God. just the story of Berkey's career in Colorado and Griffin. I'll let Griffin go on his Berkey triad, but. Oh my God. The, the For the sake of keeping this podcast under three hours long, I can condense it as much <laughs> as I can, but Berkey's been my guy since I was 14, ever since his first game against the Canadians with the Capitals all those years ago, I just, I randomly committed to it. It's like, this is my guy and it's going to be my guy forever. And with Berkey in Colorado, the story of his career has been not getting enough opportunity in Washington under Barry Trotz. He definitely did not get a ton of opportunity. And a lot of that was because of inconsistency. You have to be real about that. Some Berkey is a very streaky player. That's what he's been. And it's probably what he's going to be for his entire career, but there were times in Washington where he's buried underneath the Alex Ovechkins and the TJ Oshies and Evgeny Kuznetsovs of the world, and eventually even Jacob Vrana as well, once he started to break into the league. 
And once that trade to the Avalanche happened, the difference was immediate once his spot was secured in the lineup and one bad night wasn't going to have him sent back up to the press box. And having him in the top six, streaky as he was, added such a layer to this team's depth, especially with Nazem Kadri as his center over and over again, that he became kind of a player that people would forget about when they would play the Avs. And there would be games where he's just the kind of player that has so much talent that he can break a game open. And as for his, the end, the end of his tenure in Colorado, it is really hard for me to be super upset about it because of how it ended with him scoring the overtime winner in <laughs> game one, which is probably going to go down as one of the just pure elation moments of my entire life. And ending it with hoisting the Stanley Cup for the second time, even if he did break his hand, which is very in character for him. And he goes to a team in Seattle that I really like. I'm really glad he didn't go, honestly, anywhere else because he's now kind of made a tour of all of the teams that I really enjoy. So, I mean, I I love Berkey. And hearing you guys talk him up, and honestly, I don't even know if I recognize the guy that you're talking about with this incredibly high hockey <laughs> IQ opening up space for everybody else. He's always shown flashes of that. But now that he's having that opportunity in Seattle and he's locked in for a while with that team at a decent contract, if he can, it's, if the Kraken do make a deep run in the playoffs, I've heard the timeline is third round-ish if they can make it that far. But for next season as well, I really hope that we can see the emergence of Burakovsky as a true top line player on a contending team. I think he, I think it's, he, he's the guy, you know, he's got that, that opportunity. Like there's so many guys that are reborn in Seattle, Eberly, you know, I, I think Burakovsky can be that dude. Um, I think that, and just so glad to have him. Um, and I, I kind of hope that they just kind of keep him again. Like, look, I, I really do believe the Kraken could, could win this series, but um, I really want Berkey just to sit. I want him to sit, rest up and be ready for next season because next season I think is going to be okay, cool. We we're, we're on the radar of uh, the NHL, but somehow we're still like, like people are more amped about the Islanders than the Seattle Kraken, which just <laughs> dumb. And I grew up kind of a uh, quasi Islanders fan. I, I actually I always kind of love the Islanders, but it's like, they're going to do the same shit guys. They're going to do the same exact shit. There's nothing exciting about that goddamn team. They made it in <laughs> great. Everybody's so high on like, you know, all these great teams in the Eastern conference. Meanwhile, nobody's talking about how the, the bottom of the Eastern conference absolutely sucks. But anyway, long story short is, I want to get back to uh, the guy that I'm going to give credit to right now because he worked so hard in the off season. Um, and you've been seeing guys talk about this, how he's committed to being great um, is Vince Dunn. Vince Dunn committed in the off season. He, you know, went through what everybody went through in Seattle last year, which was like, what the hell are we doing? He came in committed to training hardcore in the off season and it's paid dividends and he has learned how to be one of the best defensemen um, in the NHL. I think, you know, obviously offensively, um, he's still got some things to learn. Um, we've seen him have epic breakdowns defensively, but he has figured something out. He's, fig he's found that next gear, and I feel like a playoff run, um, a shocking playoff run uh, led by Vince Dunn could really pay dividends for him 
who's in a contract year. He's looking to get that, that, uh, that big deal here in the off season, um, which I, I wish they would just lock him up now and give him the cash that he wants. But anyway, my guy, my guy right now is I've always said, this is from the very beginning um, of, of the first season. I said, Vince Dunn's my favorite player. He's my favorite Kraken player. And like I said about the, the making playoffs is I'm, I'm looking pretty good saying he's, he's, he's my favorite player. I think Vince Dunn is. The I still team. love the That's Dundonator. Right. That is one of the coolest nicknames I think, or, or the, the Undertaker. Undertaker. Yeah. Undertaker. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That is that is that, you guys need to make a shirt about that because that's fucking hilarious. We're, um, we're, we're yeah, we're workshopping that. Yep. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. I, I love that. Yeah. Um. So I, so I I guess go for it. So I was what were you gonna say? My question was gonna be and 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 go with that thought. But my question would be like, all right. So we know first of all, Miko Rantanen is like one of the, the past couple seasons. He's just so underrated, so underrated, so good. But you know, Kale McCarr, Nathan Bias fans. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> who, who is your, who is your like key or unsung hero for the Avs that you think? Because we know Bo Byram. Don't have to talk about him again. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, Griffin, don't been, say that. Wouldn't have been my answer, but yes, stud. <laughs> so you know, for both you guys to answer, like, who are we going to? As somebody who doesn't know the Avalanche team as well as you guys do, like, we're going to come away from the series going like, who the hell is that guy? Like you said, Turbo. So who's that guy on the Avalanche for you guys? There's yeah. actually a lot of answers to that question. So Christian, you can take one and I'll take another one. Yeah. I mean, if you're asking me, I think the player that's, if the abs are going to have a deep playoff run, this guy needs to be great. And that's JT Comfer. Uh, he's, he's our second line center as of right now. And he will be, if he can produce even close to what he did in the regular season in the postseason, that is our most important player. Obviously we know McKinnon and Ranton and McCarr are going to have their usual point production, but you need that depth scoring with JT Comfer. He's going to have the opportunity with the players he's playing with. And he has been great in the face-off circle. He's been great on the PK and he's been featured on the power play. That is the name that I think by the end of this series, you're going to be like, who is that redheaded fuck who is just always in the middle of these scrums and always seems to be getting his face washed or he's face washing someone, but he's had a career year. He's in a contract year as well. He needs to produce for the abs to be successful. Yeah. And Comfer is a great answer as well. But for me, there's a, a big three of players that, that get buried under the stars in Colorado. The obvious one is Devontae's. I don't need to go too deep on that. One of the best defensive defensemen in the NHL. That's going to do a great job at locking guys down. Yep. Two guys that are going to drive the Kraken up the wall in this series is Val Nachushkin and Arturi Lekkinen, who I think everyone knows are good players and are, I think, very fairly rated. But I think people have forgotten just how good Val was in the playoffs last year. That man had teams in hell every single game with the way he forechecked. And when he broke his foot in game five against the Lightning, or it was game four or five against the Lightning, we were sweating bullets because if Val wasn't playing, we were like, I genuinely don't know if we have a chance to, to win these games. And Arturi Lekkinen is such a clutch performer that even if he's not the biggest guy at, at six feet tall, plays like he is six eight and is so good at using his body on the four check and getting a lot of clutch goals, as we saw in the playoffs last year, sending them to the Stanley Cup final and scoring the Stanley Cup winning goal. 
Those two, if they end up on the same line together, potentially with JT Comfer, those two are going to drive you crazy. Those two are going to make life for the Kraken hell. Val Nachushkin and Lekkinen are the four checking animals on this team. And I mentioned Devontae's already, but I feel like he kind of at this point needs no introduction. Everyone knows he's underrated and everyone understands that him alongside Kel McCarr is the top defensive pair in the NHL. And people know that Lekkinen and Nachushkin are good, but I think they're forgetting how good those guys are and how good they were in the playoffs last year. And we're going to get another reminder from those two. That's awesome insight. Um, you know, because it's just, you know, those, those role players, you guys got to watch them roll to the Stanley cup last year. That's, that's awesome to see. So, I mean, like, what are you guys thinking about this sincerely? And, and we will not be offended, you know, with this series. Um, the only other thing I'm thinking of right now is like Joey mentioned is we just, we've been so good on the road. So like being on the road, you know, being the, uh, um, you know, I guess the under, big time underdog in the series, but also too, like, you know, you being in Colorado more than Seattle, that feels good too. But like, what do you guys think? Like, what do you, what do you think the series is going to be? Um, you know, what are you guys predicting? It's, it's funny you mentioned the road stuff because the Avalanche have been better on the road as well so far this season. So this might end up being a series where we see a lot of road wins. And as for how I see the series going, uh, we had an episode yesterday with our guy Raj where we all predicted the Avs in five. And as we've talked, I've been like, uh, maybe I should start leaning Avs in six again because, again, I really do respect this Kraken team immensely and the work they've done this season. I have a lot of respect for teams that just have the vibes going into the playoffs, as we've seen in years past. Those teams can do some damage, and even if they can't beat you, they can take a part of you with them as you march on into the playoffs. I think I'm still leaning abs in five right now just because of Nathan McKinnon and how he's ended the season and how he still is probably going to elevate his game in round one. And a guy we haven't talked about yet, Alex Georgiev, I fully believe that he is the man in the playoffs and is going to to answer the bell. It's it's the only question he has left because he's answered everything else and passed every test with flying colors in the regular season. The only question is, can he do it in the playoffs? I fully believe he can. And going up against Philip Grubauer, as well as he's played against the Avs, he's got to do it and be good enough to beat Alex Georgiev head-to-head four times I think these are going to be very close games. I don't see a Nashville series again where the Avalanche are just running them out of the building or the Blues series from two years ago where they're just there's times like those games aren't even close. I think these are going to be one to two goal games, probably even a couple of overtimes as well. The Kraken are going to get their licks in, but I do think that the Avalanche, if they can stay healthy through this series, have the ability to, to put the Kraken away. Because if they can't put the Kraken away, This is the kind of series where the deeper it gets, the more confident the Kraken are going to get and the more the pressure is going to get turned up on the abs. The Kraken are the kind of team that you have to stomp out early, but I do believe the abs have the ability to do that. That's that's a good call. I'm going to stick. I'm right there with you. Yesterday I was extremely confident in abs and five. And then when I'm listening to you guys talk and I'm like, damn, that's a good point. Damn. And that's a good point too. And I, 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 I don't feel as confident in abs and five because I, I think the Kraken lines one through four, they can 
kill you with a thousand cuts, like you were saying earlier. Uh, I completely agree with Griffin in the fact I don't think any of these games are going to be a blowout. I think every game is going to be a one to two goal game. And there may be a couple empty netters in a game that make it a three goal game, but it's going to be a tight series. And for me, the specialty teams is going to be the biggest factor. The Avs power play, it finished fourth or fifth in the league this year, but they're coming in a little bit cold. Obviously, Kale McCarr coming back in is going to be a huge addition. The penalty kill has gotten better. It was historically bad at the beginning of the season. I don't know if you guys paid attention to the Avs at the beginning of the season. Their penalty kill percentage for like the first month, Griffin, was what, 52%? Like it was that might be so bad. <laughs> Jesus. It was so bad. And for them to climb all the way back up to, I think they finished like 17th or 18th in the league. Respect. It was Respect. pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. It ended up being respectable. The special team is going to be huge. And I just, the thing that stops me from saying the Kraken are going to win the series is Philip Grubauer and the goaltending. I said yesterday, I wouldn't be shocked if we see both goaltenders in this series. And I think that's really going to be the part that holds me back from saying the Kraken can win the series is the goaltending. And if the Avs can stay healthy and put this team away in five, you will just take it and go. Because if this goes six or seven, all bets are out the window. It, that, that's a coin flip. Yeah. And one, one more point I do want to bring up as Christian brings up the power play and the special teams where the Avs probably do have that advantage as well. So the Kraken are going to have to lean on even strength scoring where Nathan McKinnon topped the league and Miko Rantanen was only second to David Pasternak in, in even strength goals. Again, really do respect the Kraken. It's an interesting thing predicting playoff series because when you predicted a series to end in five, it just comes off as disrespectful and you don't believe in this team whatsoever. But the second you say six, it's like, oh, well, it's going to be a very close and tight series. It's just funny how that works sometimes. So I'm sticking <laughs> with the abs in five. But I also do want to make it clear that if this does go deep and the Kraken can really give the Avs uh, a run for their money, I'm not going to be surprised. This is a good hockey team that the Avalanche, if they take lightly and underestimate them at any point, even if they're up 3-0 in the series or 3-1, it's going to come back to bite them. And they need to be able to put this team away. I like the even strength, but I have to mention my counter to you saying that would be the Kraken are literally statistically the best five on five team in the entire NHL. Fair so if enough. you want to go even strength, we're like, let's do it. And again, that all comes down to our depth. As far as special teams go, um, our power play all season. I mean, we had like little, I guess, like flashes where it looked like it was coming together. The PK for us since the end of January has been insane. One of the best in the NHL, I think like top three or top five. Um, I'm not sure where they finish. I haven't had a chance to look that up. My question when it comes to that, as I'm watching as a Kraken fan is, is that a fluke? Did the team or the, did the team actually figure something out? Because like you said, with McCarr coming back, we're going to need to be ready for that. Jeff, where, where's your head with that? I think they figured it out, you know, but yeah. there's just, there's just so many different ways to look at this. I think I'm going to boil it <laughs> down to this. I'm going to, I'm going to, this series to me uh, um, as a Kraken fan, it comes down to game one and I need, okay. I, I need the Kraken to come out and just cause chaos and put the abs on their heels immediately. And they've got to treat this like a play in game, you know, which I hope never happens. I, I do not like that in the NBA, um, no. but they've got to treat that. They've got to treat it like that. And I think if the Kraken can come out and if they can win game one, 
I think I think that's it. I mean, look, Joey said I'm I'm Jeff Lasso, I'm Ted Lasso, but I think the Kraken could. I'm not even gonna say I could do this. I think they could do this in six. I'm going for like straight up Columbus, shocks, Tampa Bay type stuff. Okay. Now, and Columbus was a shitty, a way shittier team when they did that. By the way, um, that was on Tampa Bay. So, you know, for me, they've got to win game one. And I think if they do, it's like, what the hell is going on? Who is this team? And I, I, it really even has nothing to do with the avalanche. I'm just so pissed off at the rest of the league for not respecting this team at all. And they've really put together such a great season and got a, a good team. So I'm going to say Kraken in six. And your listeners can be like, this guy smokes crack. And guess what? Yes, I just got done with the big old crack pipe. <laughs> Listen, I'm 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 actually gonna I'm gonna go uh I'm gonna go slightly Jeff Lasso here. Give me Kraken in seven. I want this to be like like you said, the longer this series plays out, I think it favors Seattle. Um, I think game one is obviously pivotal. The more we can stop you motherfuckers from playing Blink 182 in Denver, I think the better <laughs> off we will be. Like we gotta, we gotta stop that because the crowd gets way into it is too much of an advantage. This is my last question, and it's more specifically for you, Christian, because I know you're in Colorado. So we talked about this. Yeah. I'll uh, try before. not to feel left out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you spent some time in Denver. You might have an answer too. I don't know if you got a chance yeah. to. Uh, to go to some bars out there. But so we were talking about this before we started recording. So I went to the university of Colorado, lived in Denver, you know, ninth and Ogden, right around the corner from King supers, like love Colorado. I have family out there The as I roost, I loosely rooted for them um, until the cracking came into existence. I'm born and raised in Washington state. Um, my question to you is, and this is a shout out to everybody, everybody that's listening. That's a, that's in Colorado and is an as fan. Uh, rest in peace to the Blake Street Tavern shutting down in Denver. That's a fucking atrocity. That bar is a staple of the city. It breaks my heart. So my question is to you, Christian, if you have to go somewhere, because I know like I you mentioned where you're at, if you have to go somewhere to watch a game and it's not at Ball Arena and you have to pick a bar, what's a good spot in Denver yeah, to watch brutal. the game from? Uh, we actually ranked and they were potentially going to sponsor the show before they went out of yeah. business. So that that sucked. Um, oh. I, I think the obvious answer, I know they're a competitor of ours, but we're not even in the same stratosphere as them as DMVR. It's a, uh, it's a bar on York and Colfax. Uh, it's pretty okay. brand new. They, they, they have like their own abs podcast. I, I know they're technically uh, a competition of us, but like I said, we're like, we're, we're pretty small compared to them. Uh, I don't know if they even know we exist, but uh, it's a they great do. place to watch a game. Um, I really like going there. We went there to watch what was that game three or game four of St. Louis? It was, uh, game four against St. Louis, the Nazem Kadri hat trick. And the DFBR bar is phenomenal. What a fantastic experience that was for me. Only my, my third avalanche game in Denver, the bar we went to the game before was, was excellent as well, but it, it does not even compare to the atmosphere yeah. that was there at DNVR and DNVR is I would I don't even want to call them like competitor. Like they're just something that I actively consume as an avalanche fan, all of their content and everything. I have a lot of respect for them as well and what they do over there. And the fact that they provide that kind of atmosphere for avalanche fans to, to watch all of those games is I believe excellent. It's one of my favorite memories of being in Denver last season for the playoff run was getting to experience that Nazem Kadri hat trick with everybody there everyone's running around the place high-fiving like it it was an absolute blast being there so i'm totally on board with you there even if i've only been at, like three 
That hat trick was such a giant fuck you to the rest of the league, by the way, because he was oh, yeah. so much great. shit all season. My last toe, um, is Stoney's? Is Stoney's still around? Is that a good spot to watch the game? Oh, shit. I haven't thought about that place in a long damn time. Um, <laughs> I'm I, getting old, I, man. I don't know if it's even... No, I, I mean, I'm old, now. too. Uh, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I, I've I've lived in the suburbs too long that I've been... Uh, I've been desensitized to the bar yeah. scene, but yeah. uh, I, I thought that's all I needed to know, but I, I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. I, I, I laugh at this though, guys, cause this is fun for us because last year when we interviewed the, uh, the Preds guys from catfish on ice, they were more confident in the abs winning than we were. They were like, well, they were right. They, they were like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were me and Griffin were like this series is going six. Like and they're like, no, the apps are probably going to sweep us, I and think, if not, I think five. they literally said, "You don't have to be nice to us. This series is not going to be close." At <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's fun being on this side of it, uh, where I, I completely agree both. I think this is going to be a very competitive series. Yeah. This is going to be a very fun series between two good teams. Hopefully, it's the start of a new rivalry uh, because the NHL needs that desperately as some more rivalries. I would love to see that. And the only thing that sucks is the start time of these series. 8 p.m. start time every time is going to be absolutely fucking brutal. Oh, and Ooh. it's going to be. PM, Christian. I'm <laughs> <laughs> recording podcasts afterwards until 3 a.m. I love it. I will never, ever complain about it, but it's going to get a little difficult as I'm like in my last semester of college and also trying to like write theses and graduate at the same time so that, that'll be a lot of fun dude dude uh, uh okay so i i'm 43 and have three kids like i'm fucked i'm yeah, absolutely look at, look at your background <laughs> look at the kids room you got going on i'm in the playroom okay so like <laughs> just get some red bull and power through it i i grew up in the era of the red wings in the western conference oh as that's you know. yeah, i forgot about that so i lived in the east coast time watching the like again one in the morning, you know, before podcasts were even a goddamn thing. Uh, I was just up watching games, right? Couldn't even text my friends because that didn't exist. Um, <laughs> like just watching the games, watching the, the 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 post game, it is absolutely brutal, you know. And and too for your listeners, like you know, we're cracking guys, but we're not in Seattle. We're both in New Orleans, basically the New Orleans area in Louisiana. So it's like even weirder that we're, you know, big time Kraken fans, but <laughs> oh, I mean, it's, it, it it's uh, one thing I've learned with this network is uh, everyone's all over the place covering whichever team. Like it's you're just, the, you're the anomaly Christian. You actually live. Yeah, in I'm like the only one here who's in the state that covers a team. And I, it's not like I was planned. Like you just saw me on Twitter and just sent me a DM and here oh, yeah. we are two years later. So that's awesome. Yeah, I think yeah. Um, I, I, the only the only way I'll be shocked is in this series is if like I agree is if the Avs win, it's will it go seven games? You know, I don't know, but like I think every single game should be tight. Like I will be shocked if I, we're talking to you guys again in like three weeks and going like, oh shit, you guys did win in five games, and you know, in all of those wins we got destroyed. So like that's where, but again. I don't know what to expect. I really don't. We've, we've actually seen a lot of consistency from this team over the entire season. I expect that to continue, but at the same time, like, I don't know, things, things get weird in the playoffs, you know, yeah. things switch. It's so serious. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, you can't take it lightly. They're going into this, you know, we did say there's no pressure, but of course there's pressure. Like they want to make playoffs. an impact. They want to make something happen, right? It's playoffs. 
you, you only know, they get, want to only get win it for the first playoff series. You only have your first playoff series one time. This, even if you win the second one, you're still one and one at that point. You only get to score your first playoff goal in franchise history one time, get your first playoff win in franchise history one time. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. We've seen a lot of these series in the past. I appreciate you guys being honest with your predictions as well and not trying to, to sugarcoat it for our listeners. And I, I really appreciate your guys' perspective on the Kraken and what we can expect from this series. Cause I think that's important when it comes to looking at series, you can look at your team all the live long day and what can they do best and everything, but styles make fights. It's a very old boxing adage, fighting adage that styles make fights. And this, I think the Kraken are going to make this series very interesting, maybe more interesting than people are going to be comfortable with as abs fans. Cause ever since we lost our first playoff series to Nashville in six games in almost a similar spot to where you guys are right now as the, the vibe team with no expectations, the avalanche have lost two games in the first round period. They've gone, they beat Calgary four to one. They beat Arizona four to one. And they're currently on a 10 game winning streak in the first round. So I have been trying to temper people's expectations that that's not how it's supposed to be. You know, <laughs> normally teams, you know, have interesting series in the first round. And I, I think the Kraken are going to bring that to us. And there's going to be people that are pretty uncomfortable with how this goes because the Kraken are a very good team. That's going to give the avalanche fits in some areas. The you three know. matchups this season, um, every game was decided by one goal. So that's all I got to say. I think it's going to be tight no matter what happens. You know, couldn't agree more as um, what I've learned about Joey and as a, you know, Michigan native and what I've learned from our Kraken fans in Seattle and Joey being a Washington state guy is that um, sports fans in Seattle can be very pessimistic, but also very stat driven and Griff, you just, dropped some horrible stats on us about these first round uh, <laughs> records. And now I'm honestly shitting my pants a little bit here. So I went opposite. I was like, in my, as he was saying that, I was like, someone say they peaked too early, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so they're bound to lose eventually, right? Yeah, they're going to lose eventually, right? Someone's got to do it. Well, yeah. And then there's also the first round Nathan McKinnon as well, which has become a legend here over the last few years, I think that is probably going to be a huge X factor in this series. Bold take Nathan McKinnon's going to be important in this series, but okay. it's a matter of the guy had 10 points in four games last year against Nashville and stomped them into the dust. And how well can the Kraken contain him? And Miko Rantanen was sick going into the playoffs last year, and it affected him pretty much throughout the whole thing where I believe he only scored about five goals in the entire run. And only one, yeah, none of them. they were all in the Western Conference final. And I think only one was in the first two rounds into an empty net. And all the other ones were against Edmonton at that point. And Miko Rantanen is coming into this series off of the best season of his life with 55 goals only behind Pasternak in even strength goals. Like I'm, I'm just very excited for this series more than I thought I would be going up against probably for the first time in my hockey life, a team that I can say I like in the playoffs. Cause you, you normally don't have those teams in the same conference as you, but I think this is going to be a, a very interesting series. These playoffs as a whole are going to be very interesting, but if you guys have any closing thoughts on this matchup, now's the time. I think um, one thing I wanted to ask you guys is uh, as I'm the oldest one here, in this uh in this podcast room um i remember 
when Steve Eisenman raised the cup for the first time. Sorry to, you know, bring that up to you guys. Yeah, but I wasn't I wasn't too bothered by it. I wasn't alive. So. You weren't alive yet, but I, I was <laughs> I was literally wasn't born. So. No, you, you weren't, but uh, you know, you've seen the video, right? So uh, you know. Um, but like <laughs> I remember that moment. I remember where I was. I'm not gonna lie, I cried. It was incredible. So you guys got to witness Stanley Cup in this last run. What was like the moment and not like, you know, not, not an on ice moment, but like, what was the, the moment, you know, from skating around with the cup or like celebrations um, after the fact or parade or whatever, like what was like the standout moment for you in that sort of post Stanley cup win um, celebration? I've got a giant smile on my face right now. Cause I'm just racking through all those happy memories right now. So we were in ball arena, me and Christian, for game six against Tampa Bay at the watch party. We had very good seats. And honestly, Christian, that was just such a blur at that moment, wasn't it? Like if I did I'm struggling to remember a lot of it just because it all doesn't feel real. Yeah. But like I look back on the videos and I'm like, Jesus. Yeah, there's a video that I started taking with about two minutes left. And you can just hear me screaming that I can't feel my arms because my arms are just entirely numb holding the the camera up. Uh, we're both screaming our lungs out. And one of my favorite moments of it is there's there's a random guy next to me, super nice guy, one of the nice people I've ever met. And we just embrace each other in a massive bear hug, which shatters the glasses that I have on my chest. And I, <laughs> I don't even notice it until the next day when I go to put them back on again. Like, oh, uh, the lens has snapped off and has <laughs> is probably still on the floor at Ball Arena right now. Uh, but that whole thing, the parade, the going back home, and recording that episode with like it didn't feel real really even like going to bed like i was i went to bed like surprisingly calm because it just it didn't feel real really like that whole experience was incredible and i compare it to 2018 when when the capitals won and everything this one even though it was the second time i saw a team win a cup it was better the celebration like credit to colorado and denver was phenomenal and better than what the Capitals put on in 2018. Like I just, it really took a couple. Well, to be to fair, play. the Caps had that much practice with Stanley Cup Championship parades. The Abs have done it three times. So. Right, it's just <laughs> like they had you, some good. You know how to put, you know how to put on a show at that point. Yeah. The cap, the Caps one was a friggin' mess. I was shocked at how well the Avalanche ran that Stanley Cup parade. But the whole thing, like it took probably weeks until I I got back home to Maryland for it to really like. Oh my God, that really happened, didn't it? It the whole thing from from top to bottom was an incredible experience. And I'm I'm sure Christian, you agree as well. Yeah, I mean, for me, when the Avs won their cups early, I was so young, like I was like less than ten years old when they won their yeah. first two. So this was this was the first one that uh, I got to see, and you guys will find this story funny. I've told this on the podcast before. My dad was in the arena for game seven against the devils in 2001. He was able to sneak a video camera in and wow. record like the cup celebration. And which was very hard to do back in the day. Cause you couldn't take <laughs> videos on your cell phones. And me and my brother were, I was seven and he was five and we messed around with his videotape and erased the entire cup celebration in the final five minutes. Uh, so you'll see oh like God. the, you'll oh see it with God. like a minute left. And then 
it'll just cut to me and my brother being stupid in our family room when we were kids. Uh, I don't think my dad's ever forgiven me for that. Um, I would have shown it. No, it, I would have, I would have put yeah. you up for adoption. I'm not even going to lie. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was, I look back on that now and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I was such an idiot there. Um, but we were kids. So for me, like the big thing that really, like my sister was with me, my cousin was with me, uh, Griffin was there and we were watching it. And just like, that pure jubilation of winning and high-fiving strangers, hugging strangers, like going into the parking lot afterwards and like jumping for joy. Those will be the memories I'll remember forever. And I want that feeling again. And I think that's, that's really what I'm looking forward to most. Um, my favorite memory was the Nazem Kadri game winner in game five, game four, because no one knew the puck went in. It was such a delayed celebration for oh, all yeah. of us. I, I have the video um, of that too. Yeah. And no one knew it went in. And then it was just, that was a crazy moment. There were so many fun things that happened uh, in that entire run, like memories I'll remember for the rest of my life. And uh, I, I've told this on the podcast too. my girlfriend, she's not much of a hockey fan. And she's, she's come to games with me and she's been to two playoff games in her life since we've been dating. And the abs have won both those games. I combined 14 to nothing. Uh, she's been to two, seven, nothing games in the playoffs for the abs. And she, she always jokes. She goes, like, yeah. Like she's like, uh, she's like, is this what playoff hockey is like? I'm like, no, it's not supposed to be this easy. They are usually so stressful. Um, she won't be at game one, uh, but Sweet. she is planning to go to game right two. There. So we're still in game one, baby. We're still in game <laughs> well, one. We're going to get blown out in game two. We're going to come home to Seattle one, one series. Let's go. There you go. You see the problem with that is I will not be there, which gives the avalanche a great chance to win because the avalanche in the playoffs last year went 16 and four, three of them were at home. I attended three games. <laughs> oh. oh God. And all, and they were all of the ones they lost. The only one that they lost on the road was my first day on my second trip to Colorado, game three against Tampa. I went to game two against St. Louis, game five against St. Louis, and game five against Tampa. They lost all of them. So I'm not going to be there. So I like the abs chance. There's some good luck there. Yeah. Juju has evened out. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Holy but, smokes. Yeah. But awesome, guys. This has been a ton of fun. Yeah. Uh, I cannot wait for Tuesday and just watching some fun playoff hockey. I'm glad the fans of Seattle get to experience it because it is a torture that is unlike anything known to man watching playoff hockey. So I'm excited to see it. Uh, Griffin, you got any other final thoughts before we wrap up here? No, I think you nailed it right on the head to all of our wonderful listeners at the Hockey Podcast Network in Seattle that have had the, the pleasure of being able to enjoy the Kraken pod over the last two years. Uh, we really appreciate getting to know you guys over the last little bit. Hope you can come visit us on the Teledabs Diz podcast during or after the series. We would really appreciate it. But again, you guys, thank you both so much for coming on and sharing your perspective. This has been a, a very, very fun conversation. I really appreciate you guys coming on with us today. And if you want to plug your stuff, where can people find you? Feel, feel free to go right ahead. Yes. Yeah. Uh, at Kraken Pod all over social media. We try to be the uh, the Kraken meme experts uh, and, and <laughs> we have fun. We're a fun podcast. You know, you know, you may have picked it up in this, but we're not super stat driven. We're we're vibes. We're vibes podcasts. And 
the vibes have been good in Seattle. Been very blessed to have such a fun run so far. Um, I wish nothing but pain and suffering for you guys as uh, Colorado <laughs> Avalanche fans. But um, at the end of the day, you know, as a hockey fan, I've, I've been uh, in watching hockey and playing hockey until I moved to Louisiana for my entire life. And um, I really respect the team that you guys have built. Um, not the team that I grew up hating as a Detroit Rivings fan. And I think that you guys got something awesome going on. And I wish you nothing but luck um, next year. Next year. This year is our year. But anyway, yeah. hey, I thank you guys for asking us to come on. This is pretty cool to be able to talk about the, the Seattle Kraken in the freaking NHL playoffs. So we're uh, we're just pumped and, and we agree. We can't wait to, till till Tuesday night. So thank you guys so much. Yeah, absolutely. Again, we really appreciate you guys coming on, spend some time with us today. And we'll see you guys again on Tuesday for game one between the Colorado Avalanche and the Seattle Kraken. Let the fun begin. Seattle fans, if you've listened this far in on the Kraken pod, enjoy the ride, but don't enjoy it too much, obviously. <laughs> but enjoy the enjoy the fun and the stress of the Stanley Cup playoffs if this is your first time, because it, it doesn't get better than this in sports. So we really appreciate all listeners on both shows joining us today, Avs fans at the Teledavitas podcast, Kraken fans at the Kraken pod. You are all the best here at the Hockey Podcast Network, supporting us time and time again. But again, thank you, Joey, and thank you, Jeff, for joining us today. And let's go Avs, baby. Good luck, boys. <laughs> all right. I really hope you guys enjoyed that chat with the guys at the Kraken pod. That was a lot of fun. I didn't really know what to expect coming into it. We've, I've only ever interacted with those guys very briefly on Twitter and listened to their stuff occasionally, just as especially as the Kraken have had a really good year this year. But that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, they definitely, I appreciate the fact that they they love their team and they're picking their team to win. I, I think that's a, a great fan. Is that the first time we've had that on this show? Like someone actually picks their team to win when we do a crossover episode because the national I mean to be fair to be fair last year the abs were unstoppable like I, I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna hold it against anyone no. they're like yeah I think the abs are gonna win yeah I mean like I'm not gonna be upset for guys who like a certain team to pick that team to win a series right. and they gave very good yeah. insights on the Kraken and what we can expect out of this series and Put it, I mean, I think that this was the point to put a few doubts in my mind because when we talked with Raj, it's all about the abs, baby. I mean, it's like, what yeah. what can the Kraken do to stop the abs? Apparently a great question. It's This is going to be a fun series. I mean, like I've talked about with how easy we've had it in the first round the last couple of years, I think we really do need to, to ready ourselves for what's going to be a tough series because from everything we've talked about, this kind of sounds like it's going to be a low-scoring series. I don't know if it's going to be low scoring, but I think it's going to be very close games. Yeah. Like I don't, I, I don't, I doubt we're going to see like a, a six goal spot or like a, any five, four yeah. games or anything like that. I think this is going to be tight checking close hockey games that if the avalanche do take the Kraken lightly, they're going to have trouble in this series and going to have to recover from it. But if the avalanche come out serious, like they have in the first round of the last several years, they've, they've had no trouble flipping that switch in the past if they come out serious and are the full potential abs i just have a hard time seeing the kraken beating that four times you know like i, just, I do too yeah that i think it's they're gonna put up a great fight but it is the ab series to lose and the, if you give it to the kraken they'll take it happily they'll happily take the series but if the avalanche take this seriously and come out 
all guns firing. Nathan McKinnon's the monster we've seen. Rantanen continues where he left off in the regular season, and Makar is fully back and healthy, and Georgiev just continues his consistent play. It's a tough mountain to climb for the Kraken. Yeah, so... I'm still confident in Avs and five. I think it's gonna be a close series, but I just can't wait for Tuesday, man. I really can't. It can't get here fast enough. Like now, now I'm really excited. Like I, my excitement's been slowly ramping up the last couple of days. Like now, now I'm excited. Now I'm ready to go. So I'm ready. Hope you guys enjoyed our talk with the guys at the Kraken Pod, Jeff and Joey. And that's gonna do it for us on this edition of the Tell It Avs It Is podcast. The final episode before the playoffs. The next time you're hearing from us will be after game one on Tuesday. No matter Let's how go, late baby. Goes, no matter how late it goes, even if it is 3 a.m. Eastern time, we're going to be recording right after that game to get it up to you as soon as we can. This is just going to be so much fun. The playoffs start today by the time you're hearing this. Those are going to be a lot of fun. I kind of like that the abs are the last game because you get to at least see all of the other ones first and prepare yourself for the stress. Cause I've, I've been as a caps fan, like the first game before and you, it, you need to get eased into it first with some of those other games first to remind yourself of how stressful it is. But I appreciate the fact that we're last this time. And again, cannot wait. So Thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Use promo code Teledabs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at Teledabs It Is. If you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy the content, feel free to leave five stars on Spotify or Apple Podcasts great way to to help us out and boost the show we would really appreciate it but again thank you so very much for tuning in and we will catch you all next time but until then let's go abs it's playoff time baby let's do it